We are the champions of Europe. So the champions. We are the champions. Chelsea FC. They are the champions. The master. The best. <laughs> Wait. The grandest equipes. That's us. The grandest equipes. We're the grandest equipes. <laughs> we are the champions. We are the master. <laughs> Okay, we are Welcome the best in. to the Romans Empire podcast. Home. Wait, of it's the not done yet, Zach. Wait till it's over, baby. I, I, I'm too. I'm too anxious, man. There it is. Oh my! You need to listen to the. We end, are the Zach. champions of Europe. The champions of Europe. Chelsea FC are the champions <laughs> of Europe. I have to say it like five or six times for myself to believe it. Boys, it is great to be back recording behind this microphone. Um, I don't even know where to start. We don't have a script today because it's just going to be a purely reactionary pod. We're fucking pumped. Um, Sam, I'll start with you, man. Initial initial feelings. We're the motherfucking champions of Europe, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go I was gonna oh. grab I was gonna grab a water for this episode, but I said we're celebrating. I'm opening up a beer. We're drinking this <laughs> one. Not a boy. I don't care if it's two days after, we're still celebrating. I mean, the amount of times I like I don't know if I ever full out like broke out in like tears and crying, but throughout the day just like I was just stuck to Instagram looking at everyone's story, all the players' stories and everything. And I just had like tears fi- like filling up my eyes. I didn't have like streams ever, but the whole day I had tears in my eyes. It was again, I didn't like we we were we we last week all predicted a 2-0 win uh a little bit half-heartedly. I don't think any of us really believed that. But a 1-0 win, I'll take it. And the goal scored by Kai Havertz is an amazing story by itself. Hold on, um, Sam. I want to correct you. Hmm. Chelsea legend Kai Havertz. Mm-hmm. He's, he's Chelsea already... immortal Kai Havertz. Yeah, I mean, like you think about like what like, the, the the parallels that Andreas has been drawing all season from 2012 to 2020 uh, to 2021, and. You know, that, that Kai Havertz goal felt a lot like the Fernando Torres goal. You know, two I mean, guys that were huge, huge, uh, you know, transfers who did not live up to expectations, scoring a big goal in the biggest moments in Champions League. I mean, speaking of the devil, Andres, let's bring you in, buddy. You were with the Bayou City Blues experiencing it all. Your hat fell into the bottomless pit of beer and the bottom of other people's shoes, I heard. So, um, I mean, but besides that, tell tell me how you feel. What are your initial reactions? We deserved every single bit of this trophy. And not only in the past 90 minutes versus Manchester City, but you look back at the whole Champions League 2021 tournament as a whole, I can say in full confidence, not a single team outperformed Chelsea this tournament. 
Chelsea are by far not only the winners, but they were the best team in this tournament. That's the one big difference I see from from this year versus 2012. Because, yes, I have been making those comparisons left and right. But we are the champions of Europe, and we were the team that should have won, even when we were the quote-unquote underdogs going into this final. Beat the champions of Spain. We beat the runners-up of Spain. We topped our group uh, without a loss. Uh Benjamin Mendy, I believe, led the the tournament in clean sheets. I mean, we were never second best, ever. We deserve every little bit of that trophy. I'm just going to say something to back up your point there, Andres. 12 Champions League games, 9 clean sheets, 3 goals conceded. That, that, that says a lot about our defense as a whole, honestly. Um, the back three that he selected every match, um, you know, Tiago coming off with an injury and AC coming in and there being absolutely no drop-off, honestly. Like, that, he, he, Thomas Tuchel pretty much throughout this, his tenure, like, was doing plug-and-play with the back three and we, we saw so many different variations and every single one of them was solid. Like, to get that from every single combination that we had throughout the year was just amazing. And I know that a lot of people will point to this team and say, you know, it's a team that parked the bus. I mean, we didn't park the bus. We, we, we played a back three, which is what most teams nowadays, they play that as well. Uh, we were just, I mean, I, I think it was just a lot of Tuchel's ingenuity, his system, uh, and... It just it just worked, especially with the midfield that we had too. They they took a lot of pressure off of the back three. Obviously, N'Golo Conte, the greatest player in the world. Um, yeah, I said it right now. He's the he's Love the best that. player in the world right now at this very moment. He is, um, and and also Jorginho taking pressure off them, not having to make a difficult pass. They can always find you know rely on him when they're playing the ball through the back. Uh, but what an amazing job by this team as a whole, the defense, the midfield. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the forwards, I mean, I looked at, I looked at the um, UEFA official team of, this, of the tournament, and, you know, we had Mendy was in there. I think they had like three or four keepers, and we had, you know, a bunch of center backs, uh, you know, defenders, a lot of midfielders, and then no forwards at all, which I think it was pretty accurate of this run. Um, our front three didn't do too much, but it did enough for us to, uh, to win. I mean, it, it, which is still crazy for me to think about. And just so you know, Mason Mount was listed as a midfielder. He did make the yeah. team just in case someone listening is like, what Mason Mount didn't make it. He did. Um, but all right. I mean, where should we start guys? We don't have a script. We don't have anything prepared. We just went into this. Just wanting to talk about it with with our hearts, you know. I mean, this is just was this was such a special moment for us. I think. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I think that every, you guys would agree. Um, the bat, I mean, just the journey for this season. This was probably my favorite season ever to uh, to follow through as a Chelsea fan. Uh, the drama, you know, the redemption stories, 
all the players coming together and, you know, really just coming into their own around this team with the manager who took over midseason. It was unbelievable. It was the best. It was the, it was the, my favorite season I've ever watched in my whole life for sure. So I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I was thinking about it on my way home from my fiance's house just now before we started recording. And, you know, when you think about what we've gone through hiring a, you know, a, a club legend, you know, two years ago, bringing him in, obviously he started out really well. Then the wheels sort of fell off and guys, this five, six months ago, we, we thought it was done and dusted. We would have, mm-hmm. we would have bitten someone's arm off for a Europa league spot. Even um, now you bring in a guy like Thomas Tuchel, who I will be the first to admit uh, was not my first choice. No, um, it's not even just that Zach, you did not want him there. I just, yeah, I, well, listen, no, I, 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 to be fair, Sam, I always said that I rated him as a manager. I just thought the timing of it was weird. I said, yeah. I, I don't think he, I don't think the timing of him coming in mid season would suit him. Um, but, who the fuck am I to talk, man? Look what this guy just did. He won us the Champions League. I mean, here's the thing. What? I have a stat in front of me. I'm just going to go ahead and read it out. Now, Thomas Tuchel played Guardiola three times, played Zinedine Zidane twice, played Diego Simeone twice, Jurgen Klopp once, Mourinho once, and Ancelotti once. Um, in those matches, he had nine wins, zero defeats, and only conceded two goals. Um, obviously he has a champions league trophy to, to kind of, um, you know, add to his, add to his cabinet, obviously his most prized possession now, but just the work this guy's done, everything he said that he was going to do, he did it. The very first thing he said when he came into the club, I'm going to make this team very difficult to play against. And, and shout, shout out to him within, and Tiago Silva, by the way, yeah. for coming back from last year and winning it all this year. Good, good on them. That's a great little side story, yeah. Um, seeing the pictures of them in 2020, obviously not winning it, the disappointment, and then uh, mm-hmm. you know this year them hugging in Chelsea, uh, you know in Chelsea gear, it's 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 great. But just kind of going back to Tuchel, um, I think the discussion is done and dusted. Um, I think I think he's world class. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, his name's forever gonna be legendary at Stamford Bridge. I think that's a given as well. Um, but beyond that, guys. Um, I think it's more impressive who he played in his lead up to the final. Um, I, I think Diego Simeone is probably a top three, top five manager in world football. If you ask anybody that knows soccer, they'll agree. Um, you know, Zinedine Zidane, definitely up there on that list. Jurgen Klopp, Mourinho, but to beat Guardiola three times in the last, what, six weeks, that is a feat that, um, that we're going to be talking about for a very long time. I rate Guardiola very highly, just like any um, logical football fan. But for him to come in and stump him three times in a row, and and you can throw all the blame at Guardiola you want for not starting a DM. Um, you can only play the team that's out there in front of you. That was an ultra-attacking team, and we somehow stumped them, prevented them from taking a shot on target for damn near an hour, um, and walk away with the victory. <sighs> Like I know I'm kind of ranting here, guys. I don't really know what I'm getting at. I just fucking love Thomas Tuchel so, so damn much. Pep's a fraud, hey, by the way. What's that? I said Pep's a fraud. <laughs> I agree, dude. Pep Guardiola proved that without Lionel Messi, he will never win the Champions League. No, l- listen, listen. 
he, here's what here's Pep's problem is he fucking overthinks. Man. No, because here's the thing, dude. He had a full strength squad. He played us twice before, mm-hmm. so he had that excuse. I'm not letting that be the reason people think Chelsea didn't win. He had five substitutes, and Chelsea outplayed Manchester City. He had the time and all the like the subs again to fix the no DM situation. But at the end of the day, no DM doesn't stop him from creating chances in the attack. It's not like Rodrigo or, or Fernandinho are the ones scoring or making that pass. Well, they didn't do shit. Yeah. Nobody did anything because we played that good. Like the players were in the right place. We talk about, you know, off, off microphone, we talked about Reese James having the best defensive game of his life. We talk about the back three with a when the leader of the back three goes down, we had to replace that. So you talk about them not having a DM. We had to lose our leader in the back three midway through the match. That wasn't even expected. They knew they were playing without a DM. So I'm not letting Pep's tactical choice be a scapegoat. Pep got outmanaged for three times in a row in a month. And it's not like he, you know, Tuchel, uh, he picked like a strange or weird 11 that no one would have predicted. This is the exact 11 that both of you guys, and I agreed with you, picked as the starting 11. I mean, to a T. And uh, I don't know if Pep thought he would deploy something different. If he did, then that was him overthinking it as well, because it's been the same thing every match. Um, but... I'm I'm with you, Andres. I'm not giving any slack to him. He uh, he got outclassed by Thomas Tuchel yet again yeah. for the third time. I'm 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 in complete agreement with both of you guys. I, I think at this point, yeah, you know, Pep is still one of the best managers in world football, but Thomas Tuchel's better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he beat him three times in the last six weeks. And Andres, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. The lineups were unchanged. I think the only difference was Reese James was playing wing back this time and not center back. And, and, and yeah. him, him and Davis positions. Which was weird, like, for the past couple of weeks again. And yeah. we believe it was done because of Jamie Vardy, who we faced twice also in those matches. But, again, the other thing that people leading up to this match and potentially why the odds were leaning so hard towards City for, for gambling and all that is, oh, Pep had to rotate twice. The FA Cup, he put in a FA Cup squad in the league. He was rotating because he had so many chances. Well, guess what? He had like a week and a half already of resting his starters leading up to this. So I really, the whole DM overthinking is such a cop out. Like our players deserve better than this whole like, oh, we didn't play a full strength. Oh, we didn't play this. Like, no. Again, I mean, I'll give them. This, I'll, this isn't 2012. We we own we own this trophy. Every ounce of it was earned. I think I think the whole lead up to the game kind of played into our hands as well because, and I can't believe none of us really pointed this out on the podcast before. I mean, we were the underdogs going into this match, just like we were in 2012, and similarly to 2012, we felt like, okay, we made it here. We weren't really supposed to be here in the beginning of the season, or even in January or February. Nobody yeah. even would have dreamed of it. So we kind of went into it with. We've made it this far. Fuck yeah. If we win, great. If we lose, we're still young. It's a good experience for our players, you know, and, and, and you know, there, there's still a lot to look forward to with Tuchel and everything. I mean, look, if we lost this game, there's still a bright side, right? 
in reality. We have a great depending young team how we played, yeah, and a great young manager and, and a great young manager. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But guys, I mean, the fact that we won this game is just going to kind of put us on a completely different le- or put our players in a completely different mindset going into next season. Now, a hundred percent, and and I think this is the perfect uh, perfect kind of cherry on top to you know, all the frustrations we've had on these young signings that we talked about over and over and over again, like how can they come in? They're, they're, they, they're not going to come into training camp with nerves and they're not going to come into, you know, into the next game. So whether that's the super cup or whether that's the community shield, um, I don't know how Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, for example, can come back thinking, Oh, I can't miss. Oh, I can't score. You know, I think this is perfect to have a clean slate coming in from day one. And to, be, to be fair, Andreas last week talked about how we're playing with house money at this point. So we really have way less pressure on us than, than City did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were going for the treble. Um, we were going for, you know, like, like I said, we're playing with house money. And I just don't understand. I just didn't understand uh, Pep's selection in not playing a, a striker at all. I mean, we had Raheem Sterling, Mares, and and then Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva out there. None of them were playing central, really. They were all playing wide. And it seemed like the most central guy in the striker was Kevin De Bruyne, which I, I don't mm-hmm. understand how that was supposed to work. And, you know, thankfully for us, but unfortunately for them, he got hurt, you know, around the 60-minute mark. So, you know, who, who knows how different the match would have ended with him on the on the floor, on the on the pitch, because you, we saw several times him making things happen. I mean, that one Foden chance where he got it to him, and I, I, I forget whether it was saved by Mendy or if it was blocked by a defender, but I just didn't get that. Um, Sam, just to kind of uh, answer your i don't know question whatever yeah, it was, was a, about was a them playing de bruyne up top i mean they, they won the league playing with that team mainly that team i mean de bruyne was pretty much a false nine if it wasn't de bruyne it was a rotation of either him foden mares played there a bit um even though sterling didn't play a lot this year he played there a little bit i, I you know we i brought up the dm situation because that seems to be the cop out for you know mainstream english media yeah i mean i think I, I think if they played a dm they would have been a little bit harder to break down but i still think we win this game that's the bottom line um but what about them starting sterling man that guy has been out of form all season long he comes into this game he breaks free within the first 10 minutes goes 1v1 and then something gets activated in reese james and then from there on out, that guy gets just stuck to him like glue. I mean, I, I look all over the field for Manchester City players, and this is the point I wanted to get to. And I'm looking at their experience. What kind of experience do they have, you know, individually as players? And the only real leaders I can see on the pitch for them at the time is Kevin De Bruyne. Who else? Who else on that? Who else on that pitch is is grabbing any of his teammates by the shirt collar like Rudy? And yelling in their face to get their shit together, or like Tiago Silva, or like Dave, or even or, or even like Mason Mount. I I think going into this match, something we didn't even talk about was the leadership qualities that these players have developed throughout the course of the season. And now they've proved it to us. 
these guys can be leaders. They can step up on the biggest stage. And Andres, you mentioned Kai Havertz kind of like bursting onto the scene. This is his breakout party. He's a big boy now. He's he's a household name in world football now. You know, same thing goes for guys like Mason Mount, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, um, even Andreas Christensen to a certain extent. I mean, he came in and he didn't put a foot wrong all game. So all these young players, it's going to propel them to a completely new level. And I feel like Pep made a huge mistake by playing a guy who's so out of form like Sterling. Um, I feel like a game like this could might even hurt a player like that um, mentally. I mean, it, it takes a toll on you when you're playing in your most important game of your career and you're getting absolutely shown up by someone four or five years younger than you. Unbelievable. Love to yeah. see it. I yeah. I wanted to, to to bring up for discussion something that you know I, I didn't put into perspective until I kind of saw this. So N'Golo Conte won man of the match again. Shocker, right? Mm. I mean, did, did any does anybody here disagree no, that that was the, the the rightful no. choice? Man so N'Golo Conte ended up winning four man of the matches leading up to this uh, trophy. So he won it against Madrid against Porto. I think he won it basically in every round. Mm-hmm. It is N'Golo Conte right now up there for Ballon d'Or for this year. Of course. He has to be. He has to uh, be. Yeah. It, it, look. A finalist, at least. He has to be. He, he has to. He should win it, realistically. Um Lewandowski is going to get it, though, because one, UEFA, UEFA hates Chelsea, and two, Conte just isn't sexy enough to Wa- win. UEFA doesn't the do the ball of the or Zach. Just a quick, uh, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like a France football. It? It's like a French oh, organization. A magazine, UEFA, a magazine, does it. Yeah. UEFA does the best. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I still think that there's always been a tendency to select, you know, the attacker that scores a lot of goals. I feel like guys like N'Golo Conte, Philip Lom, Maldini, you know, players like that just don't get the credit they deserve throughout the course of their career. And, and I mean, all those guys I just mentioned probably deserved a Ballon d'Or at one point. I just feel like Conte just might get added to that list as one of the great defensive players, but they just, they just don't, defenders don't win that award. I, I guess that's I, the issue. I guess I guess my my argument here is that, you know, Zom mentioned not a single striker on this team makes the Champions League team of the season. And Golo Conte wins the most man of the matches in this tournament and is the reason why we win. Because, again, we don't score. We didn't win games because we're blowing the team to the opposition in the score sheet. Mm -hmm. We won this whole trophy, this whole tournament, because we just didn't let them score. And part of it is what N'Golo Conte does. And you talked about Lewandowski, and you talk about unfair treatment. The, the Ballon d'Or didn't even do one last year because they're like COVID yeah. throw it away when he should have clearly won it. So that's and, another reason for them to give it to him this year. I but, mean, he had another thing, great but year. The, but the Ballon d'Or is a popular vote across yeah. international captains and then the media. And N'Golo Conte is the most lovable character <laughs> in all of world football. He's adorable, man. Like. The guy has now won everything. He is a Euro Cup away from literally having every trophy he has competed for. So add a good tr- tournament here in the summer, and I think it'll be close to impossible 
for N'Golo Conte not to win the Ballon d'Or. Like, I'm being not even trying to be facetious. Like, I really think it's going to be really hard for him not to win. It would be it would be unbelievably ridiculous if he didn't win the Ballon d'Or. I mean, like you said, the perform the performances he's putting in in terms of how important the games are and the games he's putting them in as well. It's just it's out of this world. But I think I saw a meme. And I think this is the best way to kind of describe Conte's game. It said the best midfield trios of the modern era. And it said it showed a picture of Busquets, Xavi, and Iniesta, Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro, and Justin Golo Conte. <laughs> and I think that kind of sums up who he is as a player. I mean, Tuchel has seemed to – the last two managers we had have – you know, played him quote unquote out of position in more advanced positions, pressing higher up the pitch, you know, taking on a little bit more creativity. Tuchel just stuck him back in in a double pivot and said, do what you do best. Um and and, and honestly guys, I don't think I've seen um a better midfield player at Chelsea since uh Frank Lampard. I, I think Ngolo Conte is the best midfield player, the best defensive midfield player, not only in Chelsea's history, but I would probably say Premier League history, and if you look across Europe and across all the years I've been alive, I mean, I could probably only count maybe three or four other players who are defensively as brilliant as he is. And, you know, for all the times we talk about his motor and how much he runs and and his ability to just never, ever get tired, we don't talk about his ability to read the game and to predict the next pass and the ability to know exactly where the ball is going to go. I think that's something that that's that's missed completely when talking about N'Golo Conte. Not just the physical aspect of what he does, but the mental aspect as well. He's a defensive genius in every single way. So, uh, guys, I'm going to say something here that's going to sound crazy, but I just want you to think about it before you respond. Um, N'Golo Conte is, a, is higher on the list uh, than Eden Hazard. A list of what? Chelsea like, greats. I mean, Eden Hazard never won us a Champions League. Didn't that's, get as close. I, that's the thing. But what I'm also saying is I don't – like as dominant as Hazard was at his position, as 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 unplayable as he was if you're a defender, N'Golo Conte is just light year. Like he, he almost reminds me of how good Jordan was in his era, how no one was even close to him. For in his position, and that's just, that. That's what Conte is for me. He he fucks everything up for the other team because <laughs> they they get the ball back. Okay, they they dispossess us. They make one pass into the in, into the front field, uh, into the other half of the, of the pitch, and he comes out of nowhere, sliding from behind, and a perfect perfect tackle right on the ball. I mean, he just he, like he mucks everything up. It's really impossible for a team to get any rhythm going, consistency when he's already at your feet before you even receive the ball. It's it's unbelievable to watch, and it, it just like those pictures of Zuma and all these people like picking him up and holding him, like you know carrying him. That shows everyone on the pitch recognizes that he was the best player that for them this season. He was the best player for them that night and maybe one of the best players in the world. And I've seen it. I've seen it on Twitter a lot that fans of other teams are also agreeing. Like this is, 
N'Golo Conte's best season, and he's probably one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world currently. Yeah. And, I mean, the Ballon d'Or thing, if he doesn't win it, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset. But he has, he's got to be a finalist, at least. He's got to be in the final three. And, um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not saying that he's got to, like, like, for me to be happy. I'm just saying he will be. Like, he's he has to be in the, in the final three. So yeah. I'm, uh, I, I, sorry to cut you off, Andres. Before I let you go in, I just want to read off some stats that I pulled up of N'Golo Conte just to give everybody a little bit of context in case they haven't been convinced yet that he should win Ballon d'Or. <laughs> so here's his stats just from the Champions League. Wait, wait, wait. 50... To, give some, to give some N'Golo context. All right, go ahead. Ah, love it. <laughs> Thank love you. It. I was, I was like, I was like trying to click the unmute button to make that joke and missing, and I had to get it. Should in. we call right. it? Should we call it like the Ingolo and Dior now too? All right, go all read right, the Zach, stats. Leave, right. this, leave, this, <laughs> read the stats. Do the episode titles. Let the, let the all right, all right. I, yeah, yeah. I need to save some of the creativity. <laughs> Anyways. So, so here's his stats just from the Champions League final. I mean, he had 53 touchdowns in total 11 duels one which is the most on the pitch 10 ball recoveries most on the pitch four aerial duels one most on the pitch as the shortest player on the pitch as well let's keep that in mind three tackles made two touches in the opposition box two clearances two interceptions and two fouls one in the same match guys a hundred percent tackle success he completed a hundred percent of his take-ons he conceded zero fouls and he was dribbled past zero times. NG! And in terms of just like the historical spectrum, okay? N'Golo Conte and Pedro, who were both Chelsea players, mm-hmm. are the only players to ever play that have won the Champions League, Europa League, Premier League, and the World Cup. All because they came to Chelsea. That's the reason why that, that happened, guys. Thank God they did. Thank God. <laughs> the difference between the two of those is that N'Golo Conte is a reason that once he arrived, those trophies kept coming. Pedro, Pedro, we can probably say that he was, you know, more of a squad role. They're in a class Pedro, of their Pedro own. Pedro was a great dreams. servant. It, it, again, I think, yeah. servant, but again, yeah. we're talking about, you, we talked, you asked about the whole Immortals. legend status and immortality in Chelsea lore, and and you're comparing apples to oranges here. N'Golo Conte is, is now... You know, now we're talking a statue. My like, we're we're getting to that point. He has every season he's been here. I believe there's been. I think the only season we didn't win a trophy with Angolo as a Chelsea player was Lampard's first season. Mm. So, so I'll say Conte, Conte, two seasons, two trophies. Sorry came in for one season, trophy. Lampard first season, no trophy, but a final appearance. And then fourth season, which started with Lampard, finished with Tuchel, the biggest trophy. So I think the only actual trophy he hasn't won as a Chelsea player is the League Cup. But in oh, that four time, four year time span, <laughs> yeah, and in that four year, you know, those not four but five season time span now, under four different managers, or is it now five different managers? My the my point is, he also added a World Cup in between all that. So. Mm. I mean, the resume is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he might get a second Euros. He might get I mean, two he never Euro got Euros. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They lost to Portugal. Yeah. You know what? Back then, so. Blasphemy. Hey, so and I don't shout even, out. I don't think he was the team back then. But, yeah. yeah. But shout out I, to I mean, uh, Leicester City. That Congrats on the FA Cup. 
we got Champions League and N'Golo Conte. So I think we are... And Ben Ben Chilwell. I think we are far ahead of you. And Danny Drinkwater. We are far ahead of you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget about him. Is he is he yeah, has he officially been moved or he's on loan? Yes. What's what's I think he's he gone? officially is done. Yeah, I think his contract was up and he's in like he oh. he's on loan somewhere. Oh, Turkey. Right. He's in Turkey. No, he's, he's on loan. Turkey. He's on loan. So yeah, but but, but I don't think the season ends this year. Okay. I mean his his contract ends this season. Good. Andres, you said statue for Conte. I I think. The thing I'm trying to wrap my head around is like guys like not just Conte, but guys like Mason Mount, even Kai Havertz, who scored the winner. And Kai Havertz, by the way, who was who was nearly perfect in this game as well. It's we're mentioning their names in the same sentence as Lampard, Hessian, Czech, Terry, Drogba. Uh, Kai Havertz, you're not in the same name. Same sentence as them, okay? But, right but now, Kai Havertz is in the same sentence as these Fernando guys, Torres. These guys can do no wrong for the rest of their career at Chelsea as far as I'm concerned. They want us a Champions League. This is it. Like yeah, This so, is it. This is the pinnacle. It doesn't get better than this. And, and and it wasn't even what, supposed to happen. That's what I was going to say is, you know, I, again, I'm at the bar with Bayou City Blues where we're pre-match music, chanting, even pre-match. The fact that second time – the third time we make a Champions League, but second chance at winning it. And leading up to that match, we're singing songs about Solomon Kalou. We're singing songs about, obviously, players like JT. We even sang about David Luiz at one point, and we were like, holy shit, why did we just sing about David Luiz? But I think to, to Zach's credit here is those are players that featured in the final, and, and that moment is now forever enshrined in Chelsea lore so now next time we go into a Champions League final we're gonna bring up names like Timo Werner and Kai Havertz in the same light as Frank Lampard and DDA Drogba in, in what it means to play for a Champions League final for Chelsea and winning a Champions League chan- uh, final for Chelsea like these guys may not have had the greatest individual season but the fact is they came to Chelsea to win this trophy, and they did it in the first season. The, the, the difference between Bayer Leverkusen and, 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 and Leipzig and Chelsea is that they were told that you come to Chelsea to win the big ones. <laughs> they already did that season one. Erling Braut Holland, where are you? Yeah. Agree to disagree. I just think it's a different standard. You know, like, obviously. Legend. Yeah. I mean, sure. Legend oh, for that. Way. But it's a different legend status, you know? Like, he yeah. will be remembered like forever, cult, but... Cult it's, hero. Exactly. That's, that, it's cult hero. They're not in the same sentence as the Frank Lampards, the John Terrys. They're not... And that's not to discredit I them. Think, I think by the... Uh, listen, I, I, I think we all kind of have an inkling, especially after their performance in this game, considering how big of a game it was. I think by the time Kai Havertz's career is done at Chelsea, he'll be a legend. The that's numbers cool. will prove that he'll be a legend. He's a spaz, that's for sure. All of his post-game videos. What the fuck was that? I, I love him. I love that, dude. The He's best, a kid, dude. Let it be. Yeah, I the love it. The best part is that Dave is hyping him up, just like Dave hyped up Mason Mount earlier this season by honking the car horn when all the fans were like going crazy outside mm-hmm. of his car. Like he did the same thing with Kai Averts when they're like, 
how do you feel about being the most I can give two fucks we just won the fucking champion that's my captain and Dave grabs him and shakes him and goes yeah but before that before that Dave had come by mid interview to hug him and like interrupts the interview and is like this guy right here is gonna have the craziest career like not even asked about Kai Havertz. He just like goes off like this guy's future is unbelievably bright. And I think we should have seen the goal coming after his training goal too. That little back heel he had, sick. Yeah, I mean it was just a perfect run. And again, it's one of those moments where like he doesn't even look like he's sprinting full speed. He he, it, it's as Kai Havertz of a goal as it gets. Yeah, it's like didn't look like he struggled to body the defender. Didn't look like he was running top speed. He stumbled for a half second, but he quickly was back upright, and he coolly side-foots it slowly into the back of the net. Like, none of that was emotional. None of that was energetic until the celebration, and it was like, yeah, that's as Kai Havertz of a goal as it gets. That composure, that was really impressive. To jump over uh, Ederson's arm like that, to not come down, and I hate I'm gonna, that I have to say this, but – and to – to hit it on target, even though he has yeah. a wide open goal. Yeah, shout out to Alvaro Morata. Yeah, I still thought there. I mean, there was definitely a chance he missed it, but everything was perfect. Of course, the pass was perfect. Mason Mount, way to go, buddy. Way to go. I mean, was that that was that was Fabregas esque in the midfield for sure. Using his weak foot as well. Let's go. That's a, that's a, that's what I want to see, man. When, he, I just when he's like, playing deep, that's what I want to see. I just like how he's following fucking coach's orders. When we pick the ball up in our half, the first thing you do is pick your head up and look to split the defense. They're, they were high-pressing us all game long. It was a half-ass high-press after the first 15 minutes. And there were two or three other occasions where that pass was on and we either missed it or overplayed it or underplayed it. There was a few instances where Werner – actually, Werner made the very same run a few times, and it got missed. Um, N'Golo – I think N'Golo had the ball one of those times where he didn't see that pass. Um, but just the fact that these guys show up in a big game like this, it was it was just shocking. And, you know, I, I mentioned Reese James earlier how, you know, Sterling got in, and, and he was through on goal, and something just snapped in Reese James. He was able to recover and get the ball back. It seemed like all of these guys did that. After the first five or seven minutes of the game when Man City had their first like little flurry, it was all it was like, okay, now we're gonna start playing, but we actually think we could get this. Like they were playing like they knew they were the better team. Yeah, I I just think, you know, you talk about like where was this? I think this tournament, the, the Champions League specifically, and maybe under Lampard it was it was kind of the when it started under Lampard and we were playing well, I think that's uh, the adrenaline. It was all adrenaline. We were playing well. You keep the adrenaline going. But I think under Tuchel, there there was a switch. And it was about, you know, you know, Tuchel at one point talked about how we don't go to fight. Like Chelsea, at Chelsea, there's an aura about them. And you always expect Chelsea to be relevant when it comes to finals. And not just being there, but winning them. And we have to remember... The Cobham crew, these guys were already here watching that 2012 final. They were already here. They know what it meant to make it there. And again, in that circumstance, it was far less 
earned, if you want to argue that, than this time. It was. Or we, right. Yes. And Definitely. and so Reese James, Christensen, Mason Mount, to add to the equation because they played their part throughout this tournament. Tammy Abraham, uh, Callum Hudson Adoy, all of these guys in health, even Billy Gilmore, like all of these guys knew what 2012 meant and they lived it already potentially except for maybe Billy Gilmore uh already as as Chelsea through and through like I I felt it like you said the Reese James moment that these guys were playing on a whole nother level and Mm -hmm. and I think that now that they won the trophy I think we're gonna see them now be this old guard that we were missing after Terry check Lampard all left like these guys are now going to lead in that same way because, I mean, they did it, you know, and and you're right. They outplayed City and emotionally they were all, you know, doing it for the badge with a cool head and all that. And, and I just I'm so excited, man. The, that group took a picture with Joe Edwards and it was just like it's finally here the new generation is finally here and they're here to stay and it's just crazy that you know it's not just oh we won the trophy and that's it it's like we won the trophy and and there's still so much more that this team can achieve so um just just really quick it wasn't only the young players uh that understood what it meant or what it took to get to that position i think we look at guys like edward mendy it, we hear his story and see it all over the place on Twitter now. You know, seven years ago he was collecting welfare checks. He was he was jobless. Yeah. He he quit football completely. Um, and now he's winning the Champions League and Golo Conte playing in the third division in France. You know, um, that kind of you know come from nothing story. Uh, and t- uh, Tony Rudiger talks about it all the time as well. You know his struggle coming back for football. Thiago Silva nearly re- Thiago Silva retired at one point too. I mean, all of these players they've had to go to Russia to get minutes. Uh, Mason Mount had to go to the Netherlands. You know, uh, Timo Werner did his time. Um, you know, Kai Havertz lit the world on fire in Germany and 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 did his time. It's all of these players have have, have had pathways. Um, to the final that are so respectable you know they earned it and, and i and i think that's the big thing it's not just these guys are big price tags you know these are guys that actually came from deficits legitimate deficits and and, and made it you you mentioned the storylines zach there's so many great storylines in this final so you meant you mentioned kai havertz we mentioned that earlier you know the the alleged bust the most expensive player on our team in, in the history of Chelsea Football Club. Um, really just an underperforming season. And to finish it off with his first Champions League goal being the most important goal that we scored throughout Champions League. There's that. There's the Jorginho, Rudiger. Kind of their, their stories are mixed into one where throughout the season, these guys were constantly linked to other teams and Chelsea, you know, reporting that Chelsea wanting to move these guys along and then to finish the season being on our best 11 and, you know, amongst the most important players on our team, Mendy. I mean, this guy playing 
third, well, you said third league French football before not even being on a team. Um, getting the call from Chelsea mid-season to come from Bren out of nowhere, a guy who none of us knew about, really, and him having an amazing campaign, finishing it off with, a, with another clean sheet. I mean, fixing our goalkeeper solution completely. The whole situation was fixed. I mean, what 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 would you say, Zach? What would you say was the best storyline of this season and this this Champions League final? It's hard to it's hard to pick one, um, but if I'm if I'm happiest for one single person, I think it's Dave. I think he's gotten the shit end of the stick a lot of his Chelsea career, um, as as captain at least. You know, a lot of questions were being asked of his ability to lead a team, um, and just his leadership abilities. Right, even even us on this podcast questioned that. Um, I mean, we, that was one of our things that we celebrated when Thiago Silva came in. It's like great now somebody that can help Dave be a captain because he's not the most vocal leader ever, and I think. If this is a victory for anybody, I think it's Dave um, because of that situation. And also, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's not only gotten a short end of the stick at Chelsea, but internationally as well. You know, he, he's he's probably been Spain's best 1v1 defender in the last 10 years, and he hardly gets a call-up. He doesn't even get minutes. And um, for him to – for him at the tail end of his career, when we thought he was done – you know, this was supposed to be Reese James's season where he completely replaces him. For him to come in, put in amazing performances, and uh, and ultimately lift the trophy, and just kind of say fuck you to everybody that questioned his leadership ability. I think I, I think that's a storyline that might not be the best storyline, but for me, it's one that I just want to mention because I don't feel I feel like nobody's talking about it enough. What about you, Andres? Uh, I think my favorite is a toss-up. I think, Tom, you mentioned, you know, the the Rudiger, Jorginho, and, and even Kovacic, you know, three players that were losing all their, their time in, in the beginning of the season to continue to then show their class once they were asked to perform again. I think that's awesome. But for me, the, the one that I really enjoyed and and I think it's because it like, kind of hits home a little bit, you know. Both Thiago Silva and Thomas Tuchel from the same board were told they were not necessary. Yeah. Thiago Silva was a captain, and Thomas Tuchel got PSG to their first ever Champions League final, and both were by Leandro or whatever, whoever Leonardo, whoever the sporting director is at PSG, were told that they weren't good enough and that the team would not do you know, anything with them still there. So they were told they were gone and for them to come in and from the beginning, Tiago Silva making every right decision on and off the pitch for Chelsea and, and Chelsea not, fans. not right at the beginning. He had the one slip okay, up the in the one. first game, but right after that, <laughs> right <laughs> after that, just, just don't play Tiago Silva against West Brom. That's it. That's <laughs> um, the one time. But, but then Thomas Tuchel again, like, he got he gets fired from PSG and and I get Zach, sorry to throw you under the bus here but you know Zach is dead on like I don't want this guy. Yeah. Do it at PSG. But people forget 
he got PSG to the final. And PSG, with quote-unquote the same team, couldn't even get close this year. So yeah. for these two guys to come and show the world that, like, no, we didn't, we weren't just good because we were part of the PSG one-team league, like, brigade. Like, there is class here as both a manager and a player. And, and to win it and both be key reasons why Chelsea won it, to me, that's just so powerful. Dude, and, and PSG didn't even win League on. Yeah, they, they did, didn't. They didn't even win League they on. Didn't. Like, Thomas Tuchel is probably the greatest manager ever. <laughs> <laughs> so so for me, it was, you know, I saw the picture of last year, Tuchel hugging a disappointed Thiago Silva because they had to pick up the silver medal. To then Tuchel hugging Thiago Silva this time when they're both champions of that same trophy they were both so close to winning. Like, again, Tuchel as a manager has probably got a long career ahead of him. But players like Thiago Silva, who are on the twilight of their career, you got players like Giroud, like these older guys, like you just feel for them so much more. You you mentioned Aspie. So this this is arguably their last chance. And it was just like, man, these guys finally get to finish off their pedigree with the one missing thing. Giroud, again, a man that left Arsenal. Like he came here and won the two big trophy, three big trophies that he was missing. Um, Aspie came at a younger age, 7 million total cost to play right, has played center back, has played left back, has played anywhere you ask the man. You're right, we've questioned his leadership because he's not as well-spoken as someone like John Terry or he's not as imposing as someone like John Terry, but here we are. He had to lead a bunch of zero experience players through a managerial change and still won a Champions League final. Like, I can't wait. Sam and I already bought the the season recap DVD. I cannot wait to watch that over. I I cried plenty after the match ended. I cried plenty the morning after because I went and looked at every post match interview. It's just. The storylines are fantastic. They add so much more to to what was already a great on the field performance. I uh, I was taking a shower yesterday and I just started laughing hysterically to myself in the shower, and uh, I scared the shit out of my fiance because of it too. And she's like, "What's wrong?" And I said, "We're the champions of Europe. Like this is fucking crazy. We're we weren't supposed to be here. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody would have." even expected us to to make it to the semis or even the quarters it's it's abs it's just absolutely surreal man dude i was watching i'm in agreement with you like 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 i cried i cried as well and and there's only been two other times i've ever cried um at for sporting events um one of the times was game seven against the celtics where the lakers won the other time was kobe bryant's last game Saw him, the 2012 Champions League final. Um, it was a blur to me. I, I don't. I honestly don't even remember if I cried right when it happened. I definitely cried after at some point. I know you don't remember in the that moment because you think that I watched it with you and I. Yeah, didn't. no, it was just such a and blur. But in the moment, in the moment, like it hit me right around in the, like the sixth minute of extra time mm-hmm. um, when I realized, holy shit, it's it's done. It's and done. I- <laughs> we're the champions i watched the match 
like also I wanted to go to the Chelsea bar, but I found out the day before that you needed to get a ticket in order to go. So mm. I invited you know a couple a couple friends over. One of them was a Chelsea fan. One was a Fulham fan. Our friend Amir, who was on the show, a couple like when we were in Houston, who came with us. One of them was a Liverpool fan, and the rest were didn't watch soccer at all. They were there because we were gonna watch basketball later. And they didn't understand what was going on. You know, they're like, okay, Chelsea won Champions League. Like, they were a good team. You know, they assume. They don't know the backstory. And I was, like, trying to, like, think of a comparison. And I was like, okay, just imagine if, like, the Dallas Mavericks won the NBA Finals this year. Like, that that would – no one would think that would happen. You know, like, they have, like, a lot of young stars, like, no real experience. But they – and then they somehow put it together. I think that was probably like like I just thought of like a random team winning it all. That's what happened. We really like were not on anyone's radar. We didn't even expect us to go that far. You know, like the fact when we made it to the knockout stage, we were like, "All right, this is great. We're at the knockout stage. If we don't get past Atletico, like whatever, and we're proud of Frank for getting us out of the group stages. Like that's where we were." And then we ended up champions, and I and I don't even feel like like what Andreas was saying that we deserved it. Like I don't even feel like it was one of those matches where it's like, oh, you know, like a lot of things went our way, blah blah blah. But like it really did feel like we were the best team in the tournament, at least. You know, we weren't yeah. the the best team this this calendar year or this 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 season but in this tournament we were the best team someone said that to me um i was trying to so i went to a graduation party right after and i was talking to one of my cousins and he's not big he's not he's not in the soccer football at all so i was trying to explain it to him like yo we weren't supposed to be here man we fired our coach blah blah blah. i gave him the whole whole season backstory um and he just kind of looked at me and was like, how could you be so emotional about a team that isn't even here? Like somebody – like a team that you can't even watch in person. And I just – I kind of thought about it for a second. I'm like, you know what? He's he's right. Like, you know, I, I can't imagine not living near the Lakers. You know, I go to multiple games a year. It's, it, it, it would be weird. But for Chelsea, I know I'm not going to go to any games. It, I might go to – I've only been to one in my life. So I don't know. I, my connection with this club is like it's deep. And I think that's something I realized even more so on Saturday. You know, if, if you ask me before Saturday if I love Chelsea, I tell you, fuck yeah. Like they're everything to me. But I have a whole new – I wouldn't say a newfound love, but just a different perspective in terms of my appreciation for it. Now it's, we don't just support a a, a club that a rich owner owns. We we don't just support a club that buys expensive players. And, and, and we don't, we're not just a club that buys expensive players and wins leagues like Manchester city. We win champions league. We put ourselves at the top of Europe's greatest stage twice in the last 10 years it's a it's an absolutely unbelievable feeling and i think 
you know, going into the summer, guys, um, you know, we're going to be obviously dropping more pods about what we, what we want the team to do and where we think the team's going to go. But, um, yeah, Andres, you have something to add? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we were talking about all these storylines, and I totally forgot to mention the fact that we signed Ben Chilwell from Leicester City, and Leicester fans were laughing at us for paying $50 million for a guy mm. who had a bad second half of, you know, last season. And, you know, we talk about a lot about team morale and what happens behind the scenes. And I think Chilwell, not only was he such a success on the pitch, but I think that guy added so much to the team dynamic off of it. Mm -hmm. Like he is such a likable dude from what you see. And and for him to get, you know, yes, he had to lose to Leicester in the FA Cup, but then he beats them to get top four and then he gets to win the Champions League as well. I, I think that that's another storyline that we have to point out. But to talk about what you're saying and the feeling of, of being a Chelsea fan and, and Psalm's comparison, trying to find a way of explaining it. And, and I even think, Psalm, that the Dallas Mavericks comparison isn't fair because yeah. American sports are a close league. You have to qualify for this tournament and you play the best of the best from everywhere. It's not just the same teams you play every single year. Like Chelsea doesn't play Atletico Madrid every year. Chelsea doesn't play Real Madrid every year. Man City obviously is the one, but that's what makes this tournament so special. And it's that everyone is every year is different. Every team earned their chance to be there. You you know you don't tank a season and still get the chance to be champions next year. You have to always be performing to be there. This is uh. It's been unbelievable, guys. I just want to say, before we kind of wrap this podcast up, I love both of you very, very much. Um, part of me loving this too, club bro. goes down to um, what we do on this podcast, honestly. The dialogue we got into, um, Andres wasn't even our friend, and we invited him on a podcast out of the blue, and now he's one of my best friends, and I know Sam could say the same thing as well. This is, uh, this is just an incredible, incredible year. And I think uh, it gives us all a new a new appreciation for the club. So with that being said, just like Tommy Tuchel said, there's more work to do. There's more trophies to be won. And um, next year, we're going to go at the league. We're going to go at Champions League. We're going to go hard at the League Cup and FA Cup as well. And, Super uh, Cup. We need it. The super, oh, the, we played the Super Cup also. And nice. the club yeah. Club. yeah. Hey, 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 the, the Super Cup's an easy one against Villarreal also. Man, Man United couldn't even get into that game. Fucking It'll losers. be a good evening. <laughs> well um nice. with that being said um cheers to uh to the only team in london with not just one but two champions leagues keep the blue flag flying high <laughs>